You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. No. Okay, this is our reenactment of uh, Frost Nixon. I'll be uh, David Frost because I'm British, and you'll be the damn Yankee. Richard Nixon. Whatever. The female Richard Nixon eating a biscuit. <laughs> All okay. right. Okay, so, uh, why are you such a douche? <laughs> hmm. Hey, I disagree with the tone of that question, sir. Define sexual intercourse. You're guilty. <laughs> now, apologize to the American people. Grovel? <laughs> no, never. Okay. I like the uh, voice. The voice was just like Richard Nixon. <laughs> I am a woman. <laughs> Mine was pretty but, good, too. Yeah, well, there was no Jack... Jack Frost. I want to call him Jack Frost all the time. There was no Jack Frost in that. That's a different guy. Okay, so this is after the show number 69. Somehow I think our little interview would not have been as compelling to the entire world as the actual Nixon, uh, Frost Nixon. I thought it was strangely compelling. And I'm, I'm quite moved by it. And you don't know the reference of defined <laughs> sexual intercourse, do you? Yes. Oh. Okay, so... This is after the show number 69. It's Tuesday, May the 12th. We're two days late, two dollars short. As they so say, you say. As they say in show business. So you say. Uh, so this week we're going to be looking at the movie Frost Nixon. And Frost slash Nixon. That's... <laughs> it does have a slash, but I don't think you say the word slash. We haven't heard anyone refer to it as Frost slash Nixon. No. So it's Frost Nixon... It's the Blu-ray release that we're looking at. It's a 2008 movie. It was a movie that was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, last year. And we only just got around to seeing it. We're very late in that respect, too. I'm glad, um, though. I'm glad to get to watch some of these movies out of the hype, you know? Yeah. Totally. And we've got a couple more coming up. Revolutionary Road, and we just did Benjamin Button. And there's another one. You mean The Curious Case of Benjamin Button would be the correct title? Just Button. And I'll keep an eye on your monitor so that our last disaster doesn't happen again. Yeah, we have this strange thing. When we record our podcast every week, we use Audacity, which is great. It's free. It's perfect. It's a really good sound editor. People probably know about it. But for some reason, if I open it and leave it for more than a minute and then start recording, it will crash. But if I open it and just start recording, it'll record for hours with no problem at so all. So we did our little intro and blah, 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 and, and he then, turned around and goes, oh, we're not recording anymore. So no, I just said, oh, that's a TXE. Thankfully, that didn't happen too far in. No. So, yeah, we did, we've done the intro before, so it's That's like... It's always better the second time. Yeah, we actually did it almost the same. <laughs> Only better. Only better and more compelling and touching. So, yeah, this is a... Blu-ray release that we looked at and it was released on Tuesday the 21st of April in North America which was a couple of weeks ago uh, it's from our friends at Universal and you're going to give us the uh, lowdown on this movie uh, well once we had a president his name was Richard Nixon he resigned from the presidency due to some controversial behavior and after that a little dude from England I, I'm not really aware of his fame and fortune but he's not really <laughs> barely uh, David Frost was, for some reason, you know, interested in it and decided to get an interview. And I think at that point, from what we see in the movie, Richard Nixon kind of got tipped off of the um, the good list, you know, the cool kid list. So he was kind of doing shitty gigs and whatnot. And so this interview paid him a lot of money. It was sort of like 
his only option, maybe, at the time. And the movie kind of reflects that he was sort of, in a weird way, David Frost was about the only person really interested, and yet paid him a buttload of money to do this interview. And sort of, that's all it is, really, is a, a sort of a Hollywood telling of the events leading up to the interview, the highlights of the interview, and sort of the, not sort of, but actually the emotional thing behind a man who's fallen from this position and whatnot. And then, of course, the rise of someone like David Frost on the back of this event. And <clears throat> that's it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Frost Nixon. Um, I'm not, let me just say before we start, a fan of politics in any way, shape, or form. I don't follow politics. I actually don't find it that interesting, to be honest. Do you? Yes. You, you really follow politics and find it... You know, I don't follow it, but yes, I, you did, that wasn't the question. Yes, I find it I actually don't, generally. I, I, I don't really like watching um, Houses of Parliament on TV or anything like that. I find it actually quite dull, generally. Unless it's something really interesting. Because you're a drone, a mindless drone, and you'll just go through life and let other people control your destiny. Fair enough. I'm not. No, that's not what I'm getting. I'm saying that I don't find it that interesting generally. Anyway, this, you know, obviously is not like watching real life. It's a dramatization. It's spiced up. It's... It's a movie version of of an instance that happened because people like you aren't interested in the reality, but you'll watch it in a movie and go, oh, I feel educated. No, I don't I, feel I educated at all. You know what I mean. You uh, feel like you've touched on a subject. No, I feel I saw a glossy um, Hollywood version of something. Anyway, um... I actually found this really compelling from start to finish. The actual... I didn't really know much about this interview, to be honest. And it's the, one of the most famous interviews in the part re- recent... You know, I hear it... I've heard it talked about my whole life, but never seen it. You know, because I'm very familiar with David Frost, and I always heard about his Nixon interview. But it never in- in- interested me. I just watched his other stuff, you know. Um, but I... Now I feel like I want to go and watch the real interview. That's what I'm saying. The movie educated you enough that it got you interested in the subject. It so gave that, you, that's yeah. a good thing, right? Yeah, I'm just saying that's what's well said and you disagreed. But yeah, I think it makes you want... Plus then we watch the extras. Well, you do get tapped in a little more to the, to know that it's based on real, real stuff, not just pure fabrication. And yeah. that makes you be like, wow, this really happened? Like, really, now, really happened. What made this film really good for me is... We're gonna go into it later. Is I think the cast was absolutely spot on. Like a real, the guy who plays David Frost, I completely buy it because I've, like I said, the familiarity I have with David Frost is we used to watch him every week. He's very famous in England, so every weekend he would have several shows on the TV, like the Frost Report. He had this one on a Sunday lunchtime where they discussed politics, and my grandma religiously watched it. You know. Um, and then he did the Guinness Book of Records show on a Saturday night, which was a big, you know, they they got people in the studio and broke different records, and he was the host of it, which is fun for everybody. So, you know, so I really know David Frost a lot, um, whereas you would have never heard of him. No, I've of course heard of him. Yes, of course I've heard of him. I've seen him on interview shows, you know, but now, more recent. And I've seen images of him from the 70s and 80s, but There was not- some other film we watched, and I can't remember what it was. But it was a little while back, and somebody said, "Oh, I've been invited to one of David Frost's parties," 
And I, I was tr- while I was watching this movie, and they mentioned David Frost Pies, I was like, "Holy crap! What was that? The where we where he picked somebody picked up the phone in a movie, and they'd been invited to David Frost's party, and they said it to somebody." And I was thinking, "Oh yeah, because he was famous for those parties." And you said to me at that time, "What's that?" Yeah. And I told you, oh, "What was the movie?" The, I don't know. Was it oh. the Queen or? I, I, I kept thinking it was the Queen, but no. I don't know. I don't know either. It'd be funny if it was the Queen because it's the same guy. Correct. But no, I, there was something that mentioned David Frost parties. But um, yeah, he is he's a famous, you know, when you said he comes across in this movie as kind of a tabloid, sensationalist kind of... I didn't use those words, but that's what I meant. That's what you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So, but... Like an opportunist in the, like, hungry for fame and at any, at any juncture, like he would, it seemed to me, even though you only get barely glimpses of it, if he was trying just anything... And to get fame and to stay famous and to stay important with the fancy glitzy people. And by you telling me all these different shows he had and stuff, it even makes more sense. Like, he'd just try any old shit and then hopefully it got popular and then he'd go with that. And then what happened to him was, this interview made him infamous and famous at the same time. And then he became, he got knighted by the Queen, you know, so he's Sir David Frost. And he became a serious... His show, people took notice of. Like he was almost like a Charlie Rose or a. Why would you get knighted for one interview? He didn't get knighted for the interview. He got oh. knighted for his, you know, for everything like okay. his contribution because he's actually a household name. In right, right. Okay. Know, he's on the TV all the time. So. I need to look up this knighthood thing because I don't really understand it. It's just, it can be your contribution to whatever your. Um, craft is like Paul McCartney for instance it's his overall he's British he's accomplished all this throughout everything uh, throughout right. music uh, so it's his country recognising that he is good I don't understand why actors and singers get that though it's I just like, don't get it it's like we're proud of you like like you're you're British and you did this so we're proud of you kind of Do thing do doctors and uh chemists and people who cure diseases get these knighthood? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. There's different levels of it. It's so it's quite... like a Nobel Prize, but not quite. Yeah, it's <laughs> just a recognition. <laughs> does the Queen just sit with a little portfolio of everyone and go, this is the one. Anton Deck, this I love the them. <laughs> Sir Anton Deck, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, but you have to refer to them as that, not <laughs> Sir Ant and Sir Deck. You are Sir Ant and Deck. Yeah. Sir Ant or Deck. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows what that means, but that's okay. <laughs> So back to Frost Nixon. I re- I think it was. I think it, I actually also think this is one thing I noticed while I was watching it. It's like, you know, it, it's quite a matter of fact. Like a here's here's a set piece of history. This is what happened between these people. So it's not overly complicated. It's like a right. But the way the filmmaking is done, which is directed by Ron Howard. It's actually really crafted well, I thought. Like, it, you never feel lost, even though it's quite a complicated subject going on. Um, if you're not... A po- See, that's this is one of the things. If you're not into politics and stuff, and, and you feel like politics loses you sometimes because you don't know this, you don't know that, everything in this movie, I think, is explained quite well, you know, even if you're not familiar with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you do have to know what the Watergate thing is kind of because at the beginning when they're all referring to it, it yeah. you don't really because I'm I, I obviously know a little bit some about. dudes broke into the Democratic 
party headquarters, I believe it was, to spy on them, plant things, and those people were associated with the Nixon and his people. And of course, not that no, not that any other president has never, or prime minister, or king, or anybody else has never done anything illegal or untoward at all. It's just that when you get caught, you got to throw your hands up, and he didn't for a long time. And it's quite a powerful. Um, the interview is obviously powerful because David Frost and the you know when they said in the extras how they presented it like a boxing match <clears throat> of people talking. Mm-hmm. I actually got that before they even Me mentioned totally. it because I, I actually was going to say to you, we don't generally say anything during a movie, but I was going to look to you and say, I actually didn't think of like a boxing match. I thought like of like a war. Like strategic. Yeah, because he's yeah. got his guys saying this, this, and this to him, and he's got his guys saying, and then they poof, bash at it. Like, and it's kind of, you know, David Frost comes out fighting, and then Nixon just reels him in, and then he kind of feels defeated. And it's it is right. like a, and somebody mentioned, didn't they, in the extras, it's like a thinking man. The guy who wrote the play, which the movie is based on, wanted it to be like a verbal boxing match, and that's how and it, it is. It really is, and it's really. A powerful moment where he actually not not to, I, it's not really a spoilery type of movie anyway because it's actual stuff that's already happened that most people would know. But I mean, when he does, when he gets to the point, yeah, well, admit, <laughs> at the heart of the interview, and just asks him straight out, and he where he can't go anywhere from there. He's kind of in a corner, which is the boxing analogy yeah. again, and just has to kind of say it like it, it, it's powerful. It I, I, I went, I kind of gasped. I was like. I think that when the way they make it seem by going behind and and kind of looking at Nixon with a little bit more not compassion but I think a little bit of distance. Now Ron Howard, you know, he's a movie guy, he's been in Hollywood a long time. He's probably got a little more, I don't know, compassionate kind of attitude about humans and their choices and mistakes. So you're looking at Nixon a little bit closer than you do just from the interview, so we see moments of him, you know, kind of like little glimpses. His childhood was rough, um, you know, he despises people, really, kind of. He's more of a thinker than a performer. He's He's been put down in his past for being poor or for not being one of the, you know. And all of that start. you really see that welling up. And then I see that reflect, I see that in other people in life. And you think, wow, this is just a dude who happened to become president, but he's got so much going on in him, like anger and frustration about his self-worth and wraps it all up in power and control. And, you know, I think that's why when it comes to the moment of this little weaselly British interviewer guy who's done nothing really more than talk shows and flipping things, and he's faced with him, and he actually, boom, like, not, not at that moment, back. he also seems like he wants to justify his own skill. Like, he wants to use this as a stepping stone, too, so he kind of... Well, yeah, because that's his motivation at the beginning when he said, turns to his uh, dude and says, do you know how many people were watching right. that Nixon... Um, resignation. You know, resignation. Like, I can turn that into... Something for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it is played that way. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well... Sir David Frost doesn't object to anything in the when yeah. he's speaking in the he doesn't say it. Ron Howard was completely wrong, you know, not even funnily. So I'm guessing they they seem both very, very 
is pragmatic the word? He and Nixon both seem very driven by their own motivations. Nixon to be in power and his very old-fashioned, staunch way of life and looking at relations between nations and all that old um, boys' club stuff, you know. And Frost with his jet-setting, I want to be famous, I want to be... And he's just as focused on that as Nixon is on his thing, and they kind of... They use each other, I think, a little bit. Frost actually did a travel show thing. I remember in the UK, like a where he goes to different, but not not like a kind of in a serious kind of journalism way. Like here I am in South Africa, and here's things going on in South Africa. You know, I remember that too. He's done a lot of things. That he actually produced Dynasty, the TV show in America. Mm. David Frost. It looks like I was looking at David Frost's actual. That would be Dynasty for those of us who lived it. Oh, uh, we called it Dynasty over there. Um, <laughs> I uh, l- I was looking through all the stuff that the real David Frost has done, and it's really varied. Like from the Guinness Book of Records show to Dynasty to the Slipper and the Rose, the story of Cinderella. We're gonna have to see that now because in the movie it shows him going to. He produced it. It was the executive producer, which means he put money in a movie. That's what I'm saying. He was trying any avenue to be famous, to be rich, to be popular, to be whatever. So in the movie, he's going to the premiere of that. So now I think we should watch it. Slipper in the Road. And what he did in 2008 on TV is a show called The Frost Report is Back. So I guess... Um, nice. He re- he is this movie re- probably sparked a little more interest. Yeah. So I, I, what I was saying earlier was I think if even if you're not into politics or even this in general or you don't know nothing about it I think this would be an interesting movie because you know it's like a real tight it's almost like a suspense thing to me for me because I knew kind of what was going to happen with the interview I never knew the particulars of the interview I knew that he spilled his guts at some point but I never knew it was so back and forth. Yeah, so guts like he falls down crying and bawling and stuff. No, but he, he does. He it's, it's more in his face. When you watch the real interview, it's more in his deflated. face and his expression that in that moment, maybe, it all just occurred to him like, fuck, what did I... But that's know? a monumental thing <laughs> yeah, for yeah. somebody to actually do in such a public way. Like, Very. Which, you know, and then in the movie touches on these really interesting, you're under a contract, you've got to do this, you can't welch out on this. That's interesting. And there's right? money involved, and it's a big deal, and it's all there's a lot of dynamics like how, going on. Because they set it up so well, as in, like, you know, David Frost paid for this interview, obviously had a good team of lawyers write down a nice, you know, these are the things we can say and can't say. And Nixon also chipped in his, his half, but it went well for them because of that, didn't it? Right. Because of all the legalities. Because it does mention it quite a bit. And there's the one scene where the Kevin Bacon guy is telling him... <laughs> Let's define... Watergate. Yeah, like because they agreed that what was it, twenty percent of twenty five percent of the entire time, which was going to be nine hours total, would be devoted, could uh, was allowed to be devoted to. So Watergate. Frost had done this crafty little thing, or not really crafty, but quite, but questions that could be about Watergate, but might not be. They kind of skirting it. He'd put into another area of time, so it kind of looked like he was. It looked like. Well, it was trying. It, what this Kevin Bacon guy thought was, it was trying to get more than twenty twenty five percent of uh, Watergate questions, slipping some into another section, which was supposed to be about Vietnam or whatever, mm. something else. I didn't catch any of that. All I caught was Kevin Bacon's character, which was his like personal Marine dude who kind of looked out for him for Nixon. 
saying, we're going to use Watergate as the blanket, which he literally says in the movie, for anything negative that's happened in his presidency. Meaning anything. Not just Watergate. Which would mean the Watergate itself would only actually be a tinier percentage, and so they kind of worked that out. But that didn't come to that. No, but I'm saying... What I was getting... No, he, he did... He yeah. was getting at him saying, like, you, you're slipping... Que- some of the questions you wanted to ask are kind of slipping over right. the edge. Like, I don't want that at all. And there's... A, I, but that behind-the-scenes stuff, whether... I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I, I I found all that interesting. Well, they had the real guy, the real Brennan guy on the set. Yeah, they did. So... Yeah. Why not, I guess? Yeah, why not say... You can now- say what you want now, can't you? I mean... Nixon's dead. The only person implicated in any wrongdoing is Nixon in this scenario, and he's dead. <laughs> and it's all been disclosed, so, you know. Yeah, and that I, thought, I found that interesting about the next president up kind of... Um, Just pardoned him. Pardoning him, yeah. That, I mean, that happened, and that's, mm-hmm. that's an interesting... Uh, well, I think at that point in time, honestly, I don't... I'm not saying I think that he should be pardoned, but I'm saying... At that point in time in history, in the world, in America, with the Vietnam War, a president just resigning, lots of turmoil. We're still on the skirts of civil rights there. We're, we're just talking about the mm-hmm. end of the mid to end of the 70s. So, And then you're also talking about like loads of social change going on. A new president coming in on the tail of this controversy and, and people's whole idea of government plummeting and all that kind of stuff. You can rehash it a million times, but... In the big picture, it really isn't that big of a deal. And why would we want to now have a, a trial and an inquiry and go through the impeachment when our government and our people need to focus on something else? Now, that's also an old school boys club idea. Okay, we're done. That's it. Move on. Get over it. <laughs> but when you look at it from a different perspective, it's like, what? We got no resolution? That's why I think in the movie it's portrayed that this interview was the like is the resolution oh, to it all. Yeah, it's like the uh, like a court sentence. Yeah, it. it's kind of like a release and everybody goes, "See, he admitted it. He did this and that everybody kind of I don't know what the reaction was because I was only about I imagine nine the reaction years old. <coughs> that interview was very popular and I imagine Sure, I'm sure was, it was a talk of every single water cooler dinner table, cafe table for t- I was going to say months. CNN, but probably didn't exist. I don't think so. Not yet. Um so, yeah, I, another couple of things I wanted to mention before we go on to the cast. Um, the 70s feel of the movie is brilliant. Everything oh. everything about it. Only thing I had a problem with, I really love the outfits, but some of the wigs were terrible. Hair wigs. The blonde guy? I don't think it was a wig. No, not the blonde guy. Just people in general. Like, if there's a big crowd of people, there was some real bad wigs. Uh, it's just something that stuck out for me. Oh, I didn't see that at all. But uh, clothing was really good. An actual 70s looking... Everything, yeah. And they filmed some of it in the real... Well, yeah. they filmed in the real room, didn't they? They yeah, filmed well, it in the real perhaps. hotel room where they did the research for their interview. They filmed at the actual Casa Pacifica where Nixon lived and was like, whatever they called it, the second White House or whatever. They actually got to go there and film... Um. So, yeah, that's pretty impressive. But it was. It looks. It's a real good-looking movie, as in like detailed set direction. Totally. And, and um, set and uh, costumes are really spot on. This one. It's so spot on. You don't think about it because no. it's totally. Apart there. from apart from, I was thinking sometimes, and this wasn't anything to do with the costumes. 
and this is something somebody also mentioned. Wow, look at that shirt he's wearing. Oh, look at those flared pants. I used to wear flared pants like that when I was a kid. Like it. Oh, I didn't think it. I just it all was seamless to me. Well, I was they, totally they, they had real, real crazy disco bell sure, bottoms sure. on with a business suit, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> and it's like, you know, today that would, but you know, then it, it was that was the formal attire, wasn't it? But it, and think that, of all the fabric that was wasted in that in that decade. It's cooler, really. It's cooler than today's just boring, okay. Well, think about suits. it. Since 1980s, even, there's been no distinct style or fashion. Just different lapels on suits. Like, they yeah, go I mean, bigger, they go smaller, they go bigger. But then in one in one decade, it's everything. Mm-hmm. The 90s was a wash. The 2000 to now, I mean, what's the... You can't define these decades. If you went into someone's house, you wouldn't go, oh, that's a 90s house. But if you went in someone's house you'd, and it was the 70s you go oh that's the 70s oh that's the 60s oh that's the 40s no totally but there's no 90s there's no turn of the century so i think that's why i like movies that take place in 70s or 80s or 60s even because there is a total difference between them um and this one was very another film that reminded me of obviously takes place in the same decade boogie nights because that has a lot of uh these interesting rooms that are just cluttered with stuff all 70s and you know, brown carpet and golden chairs, and it's yep. it's real rich looking. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, moving on to the cast of this uh, piece, so we've got Frank Langella as Richard Nixon. Amazing, Ama- amazing, yeah, and he, amazing. he was up for, you know, who beat him? Oh, Sean Penn. He, what did Sean Penn? Beat? Best actor for Milk Harvey yeah. Milk, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I am actually the second person, Michael Sheen as David Frost. I actually think he is. I've only seen him in a couple of things. Obviously, the Queen, where as he, the Prime Minister, where he plays Tony Blair, and this one where he plays. I just think he's really good. I, it's not that he's doing an impersonation of somebody. Like I, I feel like I don't know who Michael Sheen is normally. Right. So I see him in characters. He's totally in it. Same yeah. as Langella. Like, like I thought, because obviously getting nominated for an award and like the woman who did the Queen and whatnot. And whatnot. Helen Mirren. <laughs> yes. The I woman. I forget You think they have to do an impression to yeah. some degree because you are mimicking an actual living, or in this case dead, but an actual person who in recent memory... People have seen the way they behave and they speak and they move. You can't just come on and be completely different. So it has to be an impression. But with him, because all I've ever seen of Richard Nixon are brief interviews, standing in front of a podium, waving from an airplane, a couple of inquiry things that I saw him you know, speaking. That's it. Maybe a couple of State of the Unions I've seen clips from. But in this, you have, you have to realize he's just being the man. So his public persona, what you're thinking of as the impression that all of the comedians do, he's just being the man who yeah. walks away from that podium and still has the little hunch and the, the weird thing with his shoulders and the mannerisms of his mouth. and you know, oh, When they talked about he's fantastic. Frank Langella guy who played Nixon was so serious about it, he <clears throat> made everybody on the set address him as Mr. President because he wanted to be in the character and thought it would be difficult to slip in and out where he needed people if he had that respect from people and all that kind of thing it would carry over to his performances I thought I method who thought he is yeah it's pretty intense yeah it's pretty yeah because like Ron Howard said he didn't 
slip out of it until the final couple yeah. of hours. So he throughout the entire filming process. I mean, that's a bit indulgent. I it mean, is, it but I, if it helps somebody, but... I think it's good. Yeah. I, I mean, if everybody's fine with it and they'll go along with it, if some, you know, <laughs> it just seems a little bit silly. But no, I, I get it. And you know, people like De Niro have done it. He did it during Raging Bull. He was just that guy, like for like some amount of time. It, you can't deny that those performances on screen True. I don't I don't know but if I let's put it this way if I were on that set and I was say like a 22 year old assistant or a craft person bringing food and I saw this dude <laughs> insisting that everyone call him you know and I'm kind of acclimated to the Hollywood thing and I work on different movies I'd be like oh my god you probably have, what a day. <laughs> yeah but you'd probably have to do it or you would lose your job <laughs> I'd just be like hello Mr. President would you like a cheese sandwich <laughs> Mr. President. I'm not saying the end result is excellent. Yes, it's just that I question... And a lot of people question that method because it seems like if other people can pull off amazing performances and not do that, you know, but then this guy's also... He'd done the play 360 times, he said. Yeah. So he's already done this, you know. Yeah, we did... This this was a stage play... That Ron Howard went to see. Played by Frank... He played that... Both of them did. Both of them, yeah. Yeah. Michael Sheen as well. So it's not like they had... uh, it's not like this was just a an extension. They've done it for a year, yeah. <laughs> so this was just playing it again, but in a movie. Yeah. Um, so the other next person on the list is Sam Rockwell as James Reston Jr. I really like Sam Rockwell. I do too. He's like underused. I like. I don't see him enough. I don't. I mean, we saw him you a see bit. Him in stuff like Matchstick Men and Brilliant. one of my, one of my recommendations Man. is coming up. But um, Matchstick Men because he he's not the key player. Right? And he doesn't stand Confessions out. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Right? He doesn't stand out. I mean, he does, but he, he does. doesn't. You know, he still blends, but he's got, like, certain... I don't know what it is. I've never in really movies. seen him as, like, the lead in a movie. He's always a peripheral or a... Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Was he the lead in that, or was it... Um, that was him. I know he was in it, but... He's the main guy. Who else was in it? Clooney. Yeah, but he wasn't the main guy. No. Yeah, he I played guess. the Barry guy or whatever. Yeah, he did. Um, but you don't see him a lot, is what I'm saying. And when I do see him, I, like, I really like oh, him. Oh, do you too? Um, I mean, he's, he's been in a lot of movies. What else was he in? Because I'm thinking of something else. He was a big thing and we talked about him and that we loved him. Oh, we, he was Like, it? we have a unified Wasn't mind. Wasn't he in, like, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Don't remember. I think he was. Um, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. As James Reston Jr. in this movie. Uh, he he plays, In this movie, he plays um, a dude who is basically embittered by the whole the whole thing. You know, he's got a very political view, a very liberal political view of how Nixon and politics has damaged the American government system and all taken the trust away. And he's written books. He, at this point, he's already written a book about Nixon and other books. And then... Um, so he gets put on the team of researchers for the British, for David Frost, for the questions, to look up the history and the details and stuff. And I was going to say earlier when you said, was it, would it have been on CNN? If there was a CNN, David Frost never would have got that interview. No. It would have been, it would have been completely King. covered by... Exactly. <laughs> I liked how he... In the Larry movie, King when he was 90. I liked how when they went <laughs> shipping it around to the... Uh, in the movie, it shows you him trying to sell it to American TV networks, and nobody wants it. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, so, uh, Sam Rockwell guy 
has been in Galaxy Quest. Um, yes. Excellent. The Green Mile. Uh, Charlie's Angels. Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Matchstick Man. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And... The Assassination Frost. of Jesse James by the Coward. That's of it. That's the most. Oh yes, yes. yes. And Frost Nixon. And coming up, Iron Man Two. Fabulous. So yeah, he's been in stuff. I just feel like I don't see him enough. Like I'd like to see him more. But that first thing that he does in this movie, where he has to, where he's kind of meeting David Frost for the first time, and am I going to be on this project or not? And he kind of spiels out his the how serious this is for the American people, and how. You can't just... It can't make him look good. And a, you can't, like, and, you know, romanticize it and all this stuff. You feel it, like, from him and I... Yeah, there's I one like scene that. that's brilliant where he's obviously... He's kind of almost like a personal activist for him. Yes, it's, an activist. It's welling up inside him all the time, and he has to deal with this subject. It's his life's crusade, like... So, the first time Nixon enters the room, and they're going to meet him... <laughs> yes, oh my God. The guy says to him... His friend says to him... Are you going to shake his hand? And he goes, of course not. Of course, of course not. not. He's like repulsed. Yeah, like, repulsed. Oh, God, now. no. This man is crushed the American. And he's in awe. He's looking. His eyes draw like Nixon comes over to him and he just he mechanically says, he says, shakes. You, yeah, he, shake, he shakes his hand and says uh, something, Mr. President. Under, like mumbly kind of. But but he's actually, yeah. Because he's like, because he said, I've already written a book about this guy and I've never even looked, seen him. And, and then his friend says... Um, that's oh, a big commentary when you think his about says it. You, he's, he's always, always going to be, you know, shaken by that. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you think about it. People who do puff up a lot about their activism and their causes and their ideas, that in, in our hearts, if we're faced with that thing or that person, we all might... Crumble. Melt a little bit, yeah. Because he kind of crumbles. It's like, you know, he... Then he's like, because all of a sudden he's taken it from being... This, this guy to, to being oh this dude. is a man just standing yeah. right in front of me and you know so yeah that's one of my that that, I thought that was a really good scene from him um, then there's Kevin Bacon as Jack Brennan which uh, I really like Kevin Bacon every I do time. too it's uh, very utilitarian this time because he just does yeah, his thing but but this guy is utilitarian yes. too he's just a a, a he's like, to yeah he's like enamored I think with the protection of this man's who he is of, of his he doesn't want him to come across looking like a jerk ever, like no, he just because wants he probably to... agrees with what he did. That's kind of the vibe I got. There's that one interesting line I thought with the um, Nixon thing was where they said that they were doing research on David Frost, his cabinet or whatever, and he said to Nixon, "Oh, he was dating such and such." And Nixon just looks at him and goes, "Wasn't she black?" And they all go, hmm. Oh, yeah, and like, don't, it's say, a weird, don't like, say that. <laughs> yeah. A, and it's a weird, I don't know if Nixon ever said anything like that or whatever, but it's a weird, just a weird moment. It's just one more little hint <clears throat> at his, like an, like his truly early 20th century male yeah. dominant um, power. I rule the world because I am a dude, and these are my ideas. And there's got there's hints of racism. There's hints of um, you, the wife. Obviously, Pat Nixon is just kind of shuffled in and shuffled out. There's not a lot going on there. So the woman in his life is is not really. He talks about his mother being a saint, but you get the feeling she was. I got in my mind. I got an instant image of some worn down, probably verbally or physically abused woman from the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, 
And he was raised in that mentality of, like, pretty closed up. So that would have led, then, to his political views and his entitlement as a as a man, American president, to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And he almost, he when he talked about leaders of other, like, of Russia and China, even though it's abhorrent to other people, you know, sort of like... Um, the way they rule their countries and the oppression, he had sort of an, an awe of their their power and their, like, might. And it really is He said that he was kind of, the real Nixon was kind of obsessed with the relationship China. between Russia and China and America yeah. in his later days, which is interesting. He's one, of, he's one of the guys who paved a good relationship between them all. And Something, yeah. So, um, so going back to Kevin Bacon, oh, he yeah. is utilitarian, <laughs> um... He has a presence, though, doesn't he? Oh, real good, yeah. When and he's just sitting there looking, you're yeah. just like, you. Oh, like. I, I, always, I think as well, he's getting on a bit. He must be over 50, right? Oh, I don't know. But he's, like, super in shape. He is really. Yeah, he's buff. I think they're vegans. Are they? I believe so. And, you know, the, seven, you know, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon game. Six. Six degrees of Kevin <laughs> Bacon game. Now you can... Uh, I'd, you can link him to Richard Nixon a bit easier if you ever, if somebody goes Kevin Bacon, Richard Nixon, you can go. All right. <laughs> so uh, the last person we wanted to mention was Oliver Platt as Bob Zelnick. Another like person him. you don't see a lot. Really, it's good because I think he fits that character totally just right because it's kind of light-hearted a little bit. That character. I mean, the guy himself. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of the. He's also helping <clears throat> do research. He's a. He works for ABC. He worked for Public Radio before that, and like in the news. Division. He's a bit more. He's a bit less intense than the uh, than the other guy, um, the Sam Rockwell character. But and the other guy as well, the producer guy. But they, they gel, it's like a little team. It's interesting, isn't it? Though in this movie, yeah, I don't know. We wouldn't know how. Who knows if they were? Yeah. Like, but yeah, the real guys are still around, obviously, because there were some of them were on the set, weren't they? All right. So, you know, the. Who's the other guy? We've not got him wrote down. The one, the guy with the glasses, the main. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, he reminded me of Data from uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, but it wasn't. It's um, was that John Burt? Was, yes. Did he play the yes. character? That's Matthew McFadden. Oh, that so sounds familiar. Yeah, that's him, Matthew McFadden. He's um, yeah, I liked him. He was very subtle, and there wasn't. I mean, he had a lot of um, lines and stuff because he was the producer for David Frost, right? So he's kind of his. Kind of his um, straight man to David Frost's wild man, you know, like, you know what I mean, like his handler or something. Yeah, totally. And he was like a TV producer, right? Kind of guy. But um, when I'm looking at Matthew McFadden, he's a British actor, I think. He's in a lot of British TV. And then he was in Quentin Tarantino's uh, Grindhouse as Hatchet Victim Number One. Oh dear. Which was in 2007. But he's been in <laughs> stuff like... Um, well, he was in Frost Nixon. He's in the he new... Was? He's in the new Robin Hood 2010 version that's coming, A Sheriff of Nottingham. The Enid Blyton TV story is somebody. But yeah, when you look back, hmm. he's in lots of BBC TV stuff. Seems familiar to me, but maybe I've seen him in... Wuthering Heights, the TV version? No. <laughs> no, it's all just TV stuff. Well, that's a good gig for him then. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's uh, most of the cast covered. Directed by Ron Howard. Never heard of him. Newcomer. <laughs> Ron <laughs> uh, Howard what, has been around. When I wanted to like look back at us, I was like, oh yeah, everybody knows Ron Howard from Happy Days. <laughs> so what are from the other one? Andy Griffith. Yeah, that one. I was like, so what movies has Ron Howard made thinking? And then I went back on his list. Let me see if I can name some. There was ones on that list where I was like, I didn't even know he directed that. Splash. Splash Far and Away. One of them. Apollo 13. Uh, that's all that comes to mind. All right. The Da Vinci Code. Angels uh. and Demons, which is the sequel, which is out next week. Oh, all right. Uh, Ed TV. I didn't know he directed that one. <laughs> me either. Now I want to see it. Um, Backdraft. Oh, yes, yes. Willow. <gasps> Cocoon. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. A Beautiful yes. Mind. The Missing, which was excellent, by excellent. the way. Excellent. Really Tommy Lee Jones. Yep. And the, uh, and Kate that. Blanchett. But I think about four or five of the, or four of those at least, I had no idea they were Ron Howard movies. Isn't that funny? Because he's one of those people that when I watch like this movie, Frost Nixon, I feel the quality vibe that I think of when I think of like Far and Away, the details. It may yeah. not, people may argue that it's not a great movie, fair enough, but, and it's indulgent and all that, and overly romantic, um, you know, emo- whatever, people criticize it, but the detail and the sentimentality that he brings to things, and yet, with a sim- slight bit of grit, and re- I don't know what it is, like Missing, The Missing, the, another one of those that... The missing's really good. So none of them have his stamp, because you can't run a thread through them all. So I guess say. that's why I never associated any yeah. of those movies with the dir- dir- him directing. So he could be in the class of Steven Spielberg. Maybe not all of his movies are that kind of caliber of people would measure it that way, but the quality individually. Yeah. Because right, TV, I can't, I can't vouch no, for that No, but I, now I want to see it more, because I thought it was just a... He's very sentimental, though. He's from a very... He's from a from four years old. He was on TV sets, movie yeah. sets, commercial sets. And so he's going to have a very... Not contrived, because that's the wrong... That sounds like a bad word for it. But um, like a very established idea of how to hook an audience, how to tell a story, when to play certain beats of a thing, and all that kind of stuff, you know. And he seems to pull it off, I think. Yeah, but there's definitely movies there where you would have no idea. No, no. Playing. And there, there are there are a mixture from something like Splash to something like The Da Vinci Code. There's mm-hmm. no, you can't even. Oh, He's kind of romantic, we think, because uh, well, Willow, I'd like to see again. We yeah, I think we've got Willow, haven't we? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so uh, we reviewed the Blu-ray disc of this. What do you think of this cover? Boring. Yeah, I think it's boring too. I don't know though. It might actually. That's it's about the two men and what more. I would have had them in the chairs, just leaning at each other or something. I would have had just a picture of the chair that Nixon was sitting in in a dark room. Hmm. So if any of you DVD designers, cover designers, want to get a hold this of this one's me, got too much. I'd be text. happy to contribute. There's too much. Yeah, text. exactly. Just like from the to, like, celebrity brand. Let's just, just put Jesse everybody. James would say that eh, cover sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he would. Uh, so, yeah, this is the Blu-ray uh, version. Uh, this disc isn't very interesting either, I don't think. So, let's have a look what the extras are on this disc. So you get the making of Frost slash Nixon. <laughs> this is an in-depth look at the all aspects. It's actually pretty good. It was about probably mm-hmm. 45 minutes long. It was a... Uh, it covered everything except... And I said, Hans Zimmer's score, which is excellent. Really good. It didn't cover that. It's so... It just 
just flows with the, yeah, yeah, but it it oh, it's really good. Wait, and so Zimmer still around, eh? Yeah, so it didn't <laughs> it didn't cover that. Interesting. Uh, but it covered everything. Costumes, set design. Maybe it was just a bunch of old CDs that Han had over in a box. And he's like, here, use this. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> And then there's a featurette called The Real Interview. Which I was hoping it would be The Real Interview. But obviously they can't put 12 hours worth of interview. But at least the last half hour or whatever where they got to the big right. deal. But no, it wasn't. It was just some clips and... Comparing the clips of the movie and the vibe that the, and the wording that they used and the tension versus was this based on reality or is this our own interpretation? I'm showing you that a couple of the moments were heightened, obviously, for dramatic reasons, but not much. And only, I think, because Langella and what's-his-face, um, Sheen, were doing their own, you know, maybe their own emotive interpretations of how that played out for them, right? But when you watch the actual interview and the close-ups on Nixon's face and stuff, you do actually yes. see the welling up, it seemed to be, the welling up in the eye, the sort of realization that I have just said everything that I shouldn't have said in front of anyone, not even my wife, and this is it, you know? And I I like seeing the real thing. Well, interesting, interestingly, like this real interview featurette that's on here that's not particularly long but it does show you a little bit but interesting on the back here it says to see the full historic clash between Frost and Nixon look for the Frost Nixon the original Watergate interview on DVD or visit frostnixon.com hmm. so you can actually see the real thing it's on DVD or right? go to the Library of Congress or to the Nixon yeah. Museum I'm sure you can watch and it hear says everything. or visit frostnixon.com so I'm assuming they've put the interview up on there um then there's something called the Nixon Library, which it shows you around the Richard Nixon Library and shows you how it came to be and why it was placed where it was. And I actually really had a lot of respect for those people because one guy is the director of the whole museum and says, you know, I worked for, with President Nixon. Yeah. I was, I, we have a fierce loyalty to him because... Even though other people And he said, don't. and we are intelligent <laughs> enough to understand that other people don't agree and that doesn't mean we agree with everything he did. We just have a fierce loyalty, loyalty to him. Like somebody needs to keep his and name so alive. The, yeah, so those people... And then kind of explain the history that at first... What do you call it? Like the stepchild of um, presidential museums and libraries because uh, nobody wanted it. They didn't want it to be part of the actual United States series of presidential libraries and museums. They it was kind of like, uh, we don't... But they kept it going. Mm. And they gathered all their goods and they have loads of resources. And it's actually... What I found the most fascinating was they built the actual place right near the house where Nixon was born and grew up. And he's buried right Almost there. right next to it. Now that, it's, to me, shows... Because he, he insisted that he'd be buried there and that the museum be there. This is a man whose whole life he had somehow in his mind... Some need to be important. Yeah. Somehow, some way. And that completely mimics, or mirrors, David Frost's need to be important, but in a different way. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, that's a real life thing. That these men have some kind of drive, and Nixon wanted to leave behind this whole little... Legacy. Little corner of the world where he was born, lived, his presidential history, and his body ultimately is just there with his nice wife, so... So, yeah, this is the Nixon Library. Then there is also, like, there's a Blu-ray exclusive stuff, which is 
there's you control picture in picture, which we took a look at, which is actually more in depth mm-hmm. stuff with Ron Howard and the cast and the crew. Almost like a running visual talk commentary to a degree because they talk about what's happening in the movie and not, show you not yeah, watching the movie, on the set stuff. And, yeah, um, Brian Grazer with the crazy hair and the crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah, and then there's. Blu-ray, the other Blu-ray exclusive is a documentary called The Nixon Chronicles, which, that's the the first one we watched, which actually goes into more of Nixon's stuff, you know? Um, and then there's something called Discovering Secrets. Oh no, Nixon Chronicles is actually not what I'm talking Nixon Chronicles is the pop-up right, things right. that come that's over the thought. video that tell you facts about Nixon and facts about the making of the movie book. And the people associated with the real story. Yeah. And then there is deleted scenes, which total 30 minutes in all together. And they're quite substantial, but none of them, apart from the, there's a performance on the piano mm-hmm. by Frank Langella, who actually doesn't play the piano, but learned to play this piece that Nixon used to play. That he wrote. Yeah. Which was interesting. Yeah. And I thought that could have been incorporated into the movie. It was. It showed him Short. playing. Yeah. I mean, in full. Just... But there was the other scenes were pretty much throwaway for me. There wasn't anything there where it was just longer versions yeah. of things that had already happened. But it was, there is thirty minutes worth, so I think you get everything that was thrown away as well. Um, and then this feature commentary with Ron Howard. So all in all, it's a good. Also, I uh, thought it was great picture quality and sound. Sound was pretty good for this kind of movie. One, one thing was interesting is it uses lots of different film elements to. Uh, so this movie won't look super sharp and pristine all the time because sometimes they're using stock footage from Nixon's television stuff or uh, different film. Even try and make news reports. And yeah, David Frost's TV show look older and stuff, even though it's Martin Sheen or whatever he's called doing it. Martin Sheen? No. <laughs> um, I have to forget his name. <laughs> you know, Sheen guy. <laughs> Michael. Michael. It's close. So, yeah, um, overall, I recommend this one, even though I'm not a fan of movies about politics, but I don't think you need to be at all, because it's just a unique story of two men in themselves. I kind of got behind it a bit because I know who David Frost is, so that... But I feel even if you know nothing about either, obviously you're going to know about Nixon somehow. Yeah. um, Do you recommend? I do. That's a high recommendation. <laughs> well, man, I do. I mean, uh, what? go it, go get it right now. I don't care what you're doing. If you're in your car and on the on the toilet in your office, go get it and watch it right now. Ex- exactly. <laughs> if you're on the toilet and you've got your laptop, get it off iTunes or whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's the uh, movie. So, conclusion, yeah, I say go I get think it. it's a... It might spark... Oh, yeah. Sorry. We don't know what you're saying because you're yawning. <laughs> I said I'm sorry. <laughs> I said it might spark you to be more interested in the real life events. So, you know, maybe you could yeah, just... Yeah, I'm not def- saying skip the movie and go to that, but... You know. I would definitely go to frostnixon.com and take a look at the real interview, like, more of it. Because I don't feel that that thing showed you a lot of it mm. at all. So, um, thank you to Universal for the Blu-ray disc and our movie re- recommendations... Movie recommendations this week for me. I'm sorry, I can hear you because you're mumbling. Ah, The Queen is my first one because uh, Michael Sheen played Tony Blair in The it's Queen. It's also a biopic about a person. It is. is that was called. It's not autobiographical. Uh, I say biopic, but um, isn't that 
Because you're taking a slice out of some real person's life. But it's not an autobiography. It's just a... It's a dramatization of of, the, yeah. of a real... It's the same yeah. as this, really. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I thought that's why you picked it and then I realized, oh yeah, he's in it too. I picked it because Sheen was in it. And it was also excellent. The Queen, I thought it was really good. Um, another topic I'm not particularly interested in, the royal family, but I thought it's another one where it's the performances, all about the performances. Not uh, And the second one was... Uh, I thought I would think... <laughs> I was looking through the cast and I saw Kevin Bacon, so I picked a Kevin Bacon movie. And it's The Woodsman, which uh, is disturbing. I've actually recommended that before, which you wouldn't, you don't remember. So I'm pointing that out because you always point out to me when I repeat a recommendation. Well, I'm just saying The Woodsman is disturbing. It is. And excellent. He's, it is really good. Yeah. Really good. He's not just utilitarian. He's good. No. My recommendations are... Up at the top of the next page. And the reason is... First I'll say the reason is because I wanted to think of a movie that wasn't based on a real person. Like a fictional character who has like really like a, a strong might about them. And yet there's a fall. There's a time in the course of the character in the movie when you kind of see past... They're just becoming an old man and falling apart. And just like everybody else, they've just made a lot of bad decisions. And that would be Godfather. The Godfather. Only number one. (laughs) Where, you know, he goes to be an old man. And there's sort of like this realization that nothing he's ever done actually really matters. He's just a dying old man. And he falls just like everybody else. And that's what I see about a real man like Nixon. No matter how powerful he was. The most powerful man in the world, arguably. And yet, because of... Just time and bad decisions, and it falls apart, you know. And totally. then he, he dies, an old man of a stroke when he's however old. And it's a quality movie. Um, the next one is the not a dangerous mind, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. <laughs> I, I was thinking a beautiful mind. No, 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 no. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind because of yeah, purely because of what's his face, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. That's a good. That is definitely a good. And one. it's really good. Um. Yeah, so that's all That's that. another one about a real person. Suppose, you know, focusing on yeah. something about a real person. It's a pretty interesting movie, that one. Because yeah. it's something you probably would never have heard of, apart from that movie, you know. And it ta- you, you replay it in your mind, you still can't get your head around it completely. No, so it's, I like it's that. quite... No, I wasn't going to say... Oh, another one you yeah, just thought of. The Aviator is another one of those. Where you see a person in their highlight. It's based on a real person, but a Hollywood version. DiCaprio playing... Howard Hughes, someone powerful, strong, and then you see this sort of, like, decline of, you know... Pissing in a bottle a lot, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, that, with this, that's that. There's a couple of contests. In fact, there's four contests on the site right now, so just go go on uh, aschoolie.com. Woo, free stuff. Go to the right-hand side, and there you select which one you want to win, or select all, <laughs> and just, you know... Fill in the dude. Fill in the doohickey. Like this. <laughs> um, next week's review will be, and it's one of the it's, it's one of these two movies. You already said you definitively decided. It will either be well, it, it, d- depending on delivery. It oh, will either right. be Valkyrie, the Tom Cruise movie from last year. Excellent. Valkyrie, or it will be Bugs Life, the Blu-ray edition of Bugs Life. Which hmm, I think we should do them both. Well, if we have them both. Right. So, it will either be one of those or all of those. All of those. All two of those. Yeah. 
I mean, um, we've seen Bugs Life. We have, but we're going to see it again. Oh, yeah. It's time to see it again. Um, so My favorite Pixar movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to see it again just to verify whether it is. Mm. You know, because I have seen, we've seen others up to this point. He jumps on the little fuzzy thing and it flies through the air, then he hits the rock and then he goes, I'm okay. <laughs> it is really good. Um, so, games and A-Scully stuff. I've been playing Free Realms a bit more. www.freerealms.com, which is F-R-E-E-R-E-A-L-M-S. And it's a Sony game. It's actually amazing for a free game, don't don't you think? It looks amazing. It looks amazing. I haven't played it, but I've watched you play. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you, I've said where it was last week, but it is World of Warcraft, but kind of slightly younger, for, like for a younger audience. Not that it's too young for me even, because it Not does... Not necessarily a younger audience, maybe a less intense visually audience. Visually, it is slightly younger. And it's not as... Yeah, it's, it's for a less... It's not about the grinding and getting the levels up and all that. It's just about having fun, really. Because they, they take the... Um, in other, other massively multiplayer RPGs, the whole focus is on you're a level 5, get to a level 6. Or you're a level 5, become a level 70. That's the whole focus. You do your stuff, you level up. This one, the level thing is kind of hidden in a menu and... You don't really pay attention to it, cause, so you just go and do things, and eventually you level up. So it's not there's not this thing in the corner all the time saying to you, you're only halfway to the next level, come on, do, keep doing it, keep doing it. It's not like that. So can you focus on something to then level up? Yeah, so say you want to be like a warrior, go and kill stuff all the time. You can just do that and level it up and level it up, and the fact that you level up gets you more costumes and right. better outfits and better weapons. Now at some point... As you level up, you're going to hit a, a ceiling, right? And then you have to start paying something. No. Oh. This, the only... There is... It's called Free Realms for a reason. It's a free game. Now, you can pay a subscription fee, which is like World of Warcraft, like a $15 a month fee. I don't even think it's 15 though. I think it's 10 And what that gets you is... There's quests in the world, like any, any of these games. Now, there's plenty of free quests. Plenty. I mean, you could be doing them all month, all year... But then occasionally you'll come across a guy and he'll have a special quest and you will have to be a subscriber to do that quest. So, <clears throat> and his quest might involve some mini-games that aren't available to the free people. Right. And there's also some professions, so you can choose to be a, a particular... You can be all of them, actually. That's another thing they've... Instead of say, at the beginning of the game you saying, okay, I'm going to be a warrior, and that's what you are throughout the entire game. Well, you're everything in this game. You can be a chef, a warrior, a kart racer. But you can switch between them on the fly, so you're never locked into the one nice. thing. So if you just want to be a chef, so you're... For ca- today. Or forever, you can. But if you want to be a chef and then your friend says you want to come and race cats, you can go and do that too. Right. And you switch your outfit to change your class. Um, so to be a chef, for instance, you might think, oh, it's probably boring, but you're going gathering the ingredients and then you're coming back to a kitchen and you're cooking it in the cooking mama kind uh-huh. of style so that's your whole deal and now the quests become more elaborate because it'll be like to do this quest you might need to find yourself a fighter and go to this arena and the only place you can harvest these tomatoes is in that arena so a, a fighter will have to go with you to keep the enemies off you while you harvest right them. right so you know you do have to help each other and stuff i just think it's really quite so you do have to hook up with people i don't mean hook up i mean 
you can solo most most things, but I think you can do stuff with friends too. You know, you can invite people into your party and go off and do stuff. So it's like World of Warcraft. Or you could buy another computer, uh, make another character, log in as. <laughs> it is literally free to do, and it looks really good because it's real. Co- you know, it's really colorful. It's today's. It's not a game that was made five years ago. It came out like last week, so it's like a new game. It's by the team that did EverQuest for Sony. Mm. So. It's got a heritage behind it too, you know, because they're not just beginners. They've been EverQuest predates World of Warcraft, you know. It just got trounced on, didn't it, by World of Warcraft for some reason. Yeah. Um, so I recommend it. Just go to freerealms.com. You, I don't. You don't even have to have a mega PC to run it. It will scale down. Very nice. You know. Um, so that's that. Uh, I've also been playing Space Invaders EX on the uh, or Space Invaders Extreme to its friends. On the uh, Xbox Live Arcade. Now, this is like a modern take on Space Invaders. They've kind of done a Luminez to Space Invaders, is how I kind of see it. Like a... There's cool music, it's colourful, it's not just shooting. Jeff Minter didn't make this game, but he was involved. He did all the visualisations in the background, which is exactly what Jeff Minter does good. And Jeff Minter's the creator of Tempest 2000 and Space Giraffe. So he's involved, but it's a Japanese team who did the game. But it's just really fun, because Space Invaders is a fun game. It is, yeah. But it is totally dated if you play the original. There's nothing to it. It's just... (laughs) Well, this adds combos and different weapons, and, you know, it's a lot. It's fun. It's uh, really fun. I I recommend it. And the last thing I wanted to mention, which isn't a game, we watched another movie this week called Mum and Dad. Mm-hmm. Which was a British horror movie, a BBC British horror movie. Um, we're not going to do a full review of it, but uh, if you're into horror films, I highly recommend it. Along with Eden Lake, which is a similar mm-hmm. type of film. It's kind of like a mm, new... I disagree. I don't think it's similar type. It, they both have gore, but I don't think they're similar at all. They're, they're very British, though, is what I'm saying. It's like a real... See, how I saw Mum and Dad after I'd seen it, and it's, I think this is the perfect way of describing it, was like... An episode Holy of e- shit. <laughs> an episode of EastEnders meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because the scenes that are just scenes of family are just like out of an English soap opera. They're just very banal and just yeah, you know. And then there's these the surrealness horror. of yeah. So it's like a combo, whereas. You know, when you start watching it, you could think it was one thing. And now, here's my recommendation. You've already told them it's horror. But if you're listening to this and you think someone else... If you watch it and you think someone else might like it, don't tell them it's horror. Oh, but you could disturb them for life. No, you didn't tell me anything. You <laughs> no. said, well, I know you I, no, can handle it. I know, but you didn't tell me anything. And that's what I loved about it. Because I had no clue. You said, oh my god, I've just watched this movie. You've got to watch it. So I put it on my thumb drive, took it to work with me. I put it on my laptop, took it to work with me. When it was slow... Nobody out there turning me in for watching movies while I'm working. And I had no clue. So, in the you know, as I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, he wanted me to watch this for some big reason. Because you actually said on the phone, I've got to talk to, about this to somebody who's seen it. So, I'm like, okay. It's either so amazing and fantastic just in some way. Or there's something bizarre about it. And... So if you're recommending it to someone else or you see it's, it, just don't tell them. If you think they can handle a horror movie... Yeah, it's more than... It's not for the faint of heart no. at all. In fact, it's got some scenes that you would you were just like, really, they got they really did that scene. I can't believe it. Like, like when you watch 
like I'm thinking of an American equivalent, like Hostel maybe, right? Mm-hmm. It's got gruesome scenes in it. But a lot of it's implied. Yeah. And in Mum and Dad, it's not all implied. No, and there's a bit of a sexual undertone that is a bit... A bit? Uh, well, <laughs> not a bit, a lot. But it, there's a sexual thing that you don't normally get in those type of movies is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Even some things that are not mentioned where it's just kind of... Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncomfortable, like, you know? Yes. And it's definitely... It's called Mum and Dad. It's hard to... For me, the BBC logo is right there at the beginning in the credits. It's... I, You're like, who approved yeah, this? Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> was who it, pay, was who it, paid them for this? Was movie? it really late at night and somebody was like, can you just sign this? You know, and the guy's like, oh. <laughs> you know, because it doesn't seem like... Because Lake, same. Uh, but it's got quality acting in it. Oh, and, well, and both of them, yeah. Yeah. Well, even like maybe not 100%. It's a little more functional for the horror genre. But, but I thought the was... acting in Mum and Dad was like pretty good. Like it was... When you're totally, totally creeped out by somebody... Who otherwise might not yeah. creep you out? That's good, I think. There's some. They really put their heart into it, and it was inexpensive. It was a cheap, independent movie. It was made like with super cheap. Consumer yeah. cameras and yeah. whatnot, but it looks fantastic, and I, it's, I recommend it. But seriously, it was one of my rec- one of my warnings. If you watch this movie with a, any person under the age of twenty five in the room, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to. It's like make we talk, you pay, make you pay. It's like we talked about Irreversible, which is another. It's a French movie by Gaspar Noir, whatever he's called, Gaspar Noir. Um and it's a. It's for a mature adult. Yeah, it's it's a. That's not really a particular horror movie, but it's a movie that. It's horrific. <laughs> anybody who's um, faint of heart wouldn't like it. Oh, they'd be completely offended and totally. Plus, there's you know there's. There's an emotional element to some of these movies that you have to contend with. That can you cope with the ideas of what you're seeing, even if it's a movie? There are things that can creep into a young person's mind that shouldn't be there. Oh yeah, young people shouldn't. No matter what. Now I'm not saying it should be in our minds either, because we'd be perfectly fine in life without them. And yet, I, I think we've just both worn our brains out on movies and uh, the, well, the most extreme things, and so we need this. The particular scene I mentioned in Mum and Dad, which I'm not going to say what yeah, it no, is. No, 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 no. No, I'm not. But I'm saying that particular scene is stuck in my head. Like. I was thinking about it the day after, thinking, "Oh, like not just not just the fact that you see the the thing, just the idea of that yep. was just freaking me out." Like it was freaking. I wasn't freaking me out where I was like, "Oh, I can't sleep because of this." <laughs> it was freaking me out, as in like I kept thinking of it, thinking, "That's effed up, completely." So uh, moving on to Sid talk stuff. Sid talk stuff. Nice. And what what are you saying to me? What's for dinner? We're going to have salad. And that's it. <laughs> Some interesting... Oh, pro- no, no. We changed our mind. I changed my mind. I think I might want Subway. Oh, yeah. Subway. Yeah, yeah. Subway. Um, that's a sandwich shop. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, sometimes I like to make our own sandwiches and stuff. But today, for some reason... Although, now that I think about it, those teenagers just make me want to reach across the counter and give them what for. But, oh, my God. Okay. The plan might change, but right now it's either salad or subway. <laughs> Depends on my mood when I get in the car. And my gaming world for this week, I'm just patiently waiting for Sims 3 because it has, as I've been told, gone gold, in quotation marks. Last I Friday. Know, I don't know what that means exactly, but that means it's getting close. It'll be in the store before I know it. Now, do I need to pre-order this? 
I would um, no you probably I've, I imagine in fact no you won't need to pre-order it you'll be able to walk into Walmart that day and buy it I imagine I mean it's one of the biggest games ever The Sims they'll ship billions of them yeah okay yeah. then I'm good okay um, I'm working in the garden. My mother was here over the weekend for what seemed to be kind of an odd reason, you know, when she was telling us last night. You know, every family has, you know, their own little dramas here and there and things going on. Well, just I have three siblings and nieces and nephews, and there's always something going on. My mother says she had she needed to come this weekend, right? It's Mother's Day weekend. It was Mother's Day weekend. Because she could be dead in a year, and she needed to no, make... No, she actually she, said I could be dead next week. Oh, that's why she did. And that, of course, makes you go, what? But you, you got to know my mother. <laughs> and to then know she's coughing she her ghost up. <laughs> she doesn't mean, I'm going to be dead next week. She just has certain philosophies that are driving her decisions. And she thinks she has to see for herself with my brother and sisters and our relationships and things that are going on. You know, if she's done everything in her power to either help or just evaluate the situation. Whatever. I don't even know exactly, but she was having a sort of philosophical... Uh, weekend there and said now she could die happy because she knows she's done everything she can for any of us and, and she, she gave us a present she gave us a present uh, which led us to getting the next subject which is new uh, we worked in the garden she loved oh my god this is my mother right we're shopping for plants I just wanted a couple more plants for outside of the garden this is my mother this is a true imitation of my mother oh my god look at that oh that's fantastic oh I need oh I love that I want one of those Oh, what's that? Oh, my God, that's fantastic. Oh, I need one of those. Oh, my God, that would look gorgeous in that pot that I had. What did she buy? Oh, my God, that looks fantastic. Like three things. Right. But, I mean, and she would carry things around with her. Oh, I've got to get this. And she'd put it under her arm like this plant with dirt falling out on her sleeve. And then she'd be like, well, oh, hell, I don't need that one. Oh, but look at that. Oh, I've got to have a jasmine tree. Oh, I really want to try an orange tree. I don't know if they, would that grow in Missouri? You know what I mean? Just like... The whole trip, the whole <laughs> every place we went, it was like that. Every plant was like fantastic, you know. So she had a good time, and then we bought a couple things, put them in the garden, and then uh, her gift led us to buy new carpet for our kitchen. And of course, the I got my mother opened the book of samples in the store. She go, and I said I want something with kind of a big geometric pattern. She goes, "What about this?" I was like, "Yes." The guy gave me the page, said, "Take this home with you." You know, it's like got a sample. Take it home. I leave it inside. Mr. A. Scully is checking it out. He comes out quite excited. Did you look at the names on these types of, on these, uh, on this brand? And, you know, each little color version of this pattern has a name. And some of the names are? Flash. Java. Cyberspace. Interplay. Global. Virtuality. And cyberspace and nebula, yeah, like and it was like, like wow, that's made for and dimension, like a movie yeah. company name. So that's just fate. We had to have it, so we're getting that next week. And it's um, it's heavy, severe. I'm looking at it now. Oh yeah, severe, severe traffic because it's going to be in the kitchen dining room, and we want something. It's a little pricey, but I think it's worth it. And it says if we're using this in an office, we recommend the use of chair pads on all commercial installations. I Whatever think if we like it in there, we're going to get it in here. So, but yeah, so we could we have get, another carpet. So we're having a new future. carpet fade next Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Um, so that's. Is that I don't think thing? anybody would care about that. <laughs> Maybe they would. It's the happenings of the house, though. Is uh, that all your news? I think so. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening to after the show number sixty nine. Sixty nine. That's a good uh, year good of my year. birth. 
<laughs> the good year of your birth. That's the year I was born. Um, so you can, I'll remind you about the websites, ascully.com, sidtalk.com, twitter.com slash ascully, twitter.com slash sidtalk, if you want to follow us on Twitter, because all the cool kids use Twitter, right? Cool. I can't use it anymore now. <laughs> um, there's also facebook.com and xboxlive.com. I'm at ascully live on Xbox Live and you're sidtalk. I'm not on Xbox Live, really. But you are sidtalk. On Xbox Live. I'm <laughs> Zidog everywhere. You can find this podcast at the iTunes Music Store or the Zoom Marketplace or go to aschoolie.com, click on podcast, subscribe to the RSS feed and have it delivered in your podcatcher of choice or just listen to all 69 episodes in a row. And, uh, well, That's don't it. listen to all of them all in a row. Over the next 69 days, listen to the, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that people are rushing to their computers to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of entertainment there for you. At least, probably over 70 No, hours we worth. said last week, you have to watch the movie, and then listen, and then watch the recommended movies. Yes. And then watch the next movie, listen to the podcast, watch the... So, it might take more than 69 days. You can e- email feedback to aschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschool